It's the Low Score Podcast, starring Bobby Schweizer and Jason Ford. That really gets me excited. Woo! That's the get pumped for low score music because it's happening it's right now. Totally happened. Okay, so we're only a week off schedule. Yes. One a week. We wanted to do it last week, uh, but last weekend you celebrated your birthday. I did. Yay! Birthdays. Yay. You got your birthday coming up too, Mizzy, but yeah. you were celebrating your birthday yesterday. Yeah, so recording on Sunday morning, big cup of coffee, big coconut water. Uh, big dun, dun. celebration complete. Big podcast. Big podcast. Big kickstart. Big naps. Yeah, so you're drinking a kickstart. I'm drinking a coconut water. And then, so you found a recipe for me this week. I did. Um, You sent it over from, like, the Hungry Kitchen or... It's Tasty Kitchen? Have you you ever heard of Tasty Kitchen? Uh, Megs knows it. I don't don't look at that. It is, well, was founded by Pioneer Woman. Oh, okay. That must be why I know it. Yeah. I made my looks all flowery and stuff boo i need to eat manly oh yeah speaking of eating and uh eating manly so the frogmore stew recipe that we we made for jimmy's bachelor party that year mm-hmm. that came out of esquire that's right and they have a, a feature called like eat like a man or something like that that where they've they do recipes in each of their magazines but they also have done like a couple like multi-page features their cookbook just came out so hey uh, yeah, they the, the have recipes drawn from all over the country, different restaurants and stuff. So, um, uh, that's on my, my birthday wish list. There you go. So in case any listener wants to buy it for me, <laughs> you owe me. I, that's true. They, they do owe you. Yeah. They owe you too. What do you want for your birthday? Uh, my birthday, well, my birthday is past. I actually got a lot of cookbooks. Yeah. I, um, let me see. Cooks Illustrated, Science of Good Cooking, uh, Flour, Water, Salt, Yeast, uh, Baking Book that I've had my eye on. Mm-hmm. It's free. Um, as well as Michael Rollman's 20 book. Okay. What's 20? So, uh, you know the ratio book he put out? Yes. Yeah, I have that one. That's the book uh, about, like, if you memorize these ratios of different ingredients you can pretty much cook anything like right. here's, here's pasta here's bread here's here like here's salad dressing like yeah. acid to fat to spice ratio yeah. so 20 is like 20 uh like the 20 cooking techniques you need to know in the kitchen a lot of the techniques are actually ingredients um and then <laughs> each one will go with like because it'll be like one of the techniques is egg and he's like you need to know like what an egg does and why it is in all these recipes okay like, water is a technique and he's like people don't consider like how water cooks food and the importance of it and so then there'll be uh, like salt is one then there'll be braising and there'll be there's a couple techniques that go along or recipes that go along with each technique to like demonstrate what he's talking about that's cool in like 20 techniques and 100 recipes really well put together um i like nice cookbooks a lot yeah does it have like knife skills in there too or 
Um, yeah, yes, that isn't one of the techniques. Um, oh, I, don't, I don't remember them all. See, the, it's cool because, I mean, for so long we haven't really had cookbooks that teach you about cooking. It's, mm-hmm. they're, they're all recipe books. Um, right. And I think I feel like that is improving as people become more interested yeah. in cooking in the home and like cooking becomes a greater part of our culture. I don't know about you growing up, but cooking was not something in my family. Like you nope. made dinner, but you don't really cook. No, my, my grandmother was a great cook, but I think by accident, just kind of like being of that time. Um, and it was never a priority for anybody else. Yeah. My grandmother was an awful cook on purpose. So there you go. They would have made a great team. One of, one of my grandmothers was kind of an awful cook, <laughs> but she will admit to it though. So I can't. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just growing up, she made hockey puck burgers and not good. Not good. Yeah. I like, I like cookbooks like that, that kind of have a, um, even it seems like even like a thesis. I have another cookbook. I'm actually borrowing from somebody at work called charred and scruffed, which is like, like chopped and screwed. Well, it's, you know, kind of, uh, when you're cooking on the grill, kind of general guidelines are don't mess with it. You know, build your fire, build your two levels of heat, maybe mm-hmm. let it, let it brown, let it do its thing. This guy is like, that's bullshit. And he's got recipes where you're basically like constantly moving the food around. He's doing almost like, he's basically like, like screw grill marks and getting it to look pretty. Like what you want to do is maximize surface area and maximize the amount of meat that comes in contact with fire to build like big crusts. Okay. Well, he'll like score meat to like produce more surface area. So it almost like fans out a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. He does things almost like a reverse frying, like make um, an oil based based, um, put like a steak over screaming hot heat, flip it and immediately put oil on it. So instead of like getting a skillet really hot and putting a steak in oil, you're actually getting the steak really hot and then bringing oil to it. And then like doing a couple layers of that. He's a couple – the most wacky new recipes are roasts where he is cooking on over charcoal with no grate. Like he's jamming meat into the coals and like constantly like turning and moving it around. That's kind of wackadoo. I'm like, I don't know, man. I mean – I. Yeah, I guess. Like, right? Like, you're you're eating all that shit that's coming off the coals anyway as it releases into the atmosphere. So <laughs> that that's kind of like the advertised part of the book, and it ends up being a fairly small part because I'm like that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. You but, can't you can't sell a cookbook on like easy or like commonsensical techniques and things. You got to sell it on the crazy stuff. It's a good structure. Like the first thirty pages or so are like kind of theory it's just kind of like essay based and then there's recipes like throughout that then kind of use those mm-hmm. so that was an interesting read it wasn't as radical but it kind of it kind of got you you know got me thinking a little bit more about stuff like that but I, I liked the way it was structured in that it's kind of half like here's something for you to read and internalize and then like the back three quarters of the book are like a reference book that you can sit there and use well I tell you what if you bring your knife to this podcast and score it You'll get yourself a low score episode 103. Big episode 103 with Bobby and Jay and Knife. Hey, uh, why do you have a knife upstairs? Don't you have a knife upstairs? <gasps> the knife's in my hand now. Oh, God. How'd it get through the screen? <laughs> um, I'm over here. Jay, you're over there. Yep. Um, we're both here talking uh, talk about video games. Indeed. So since we last spoke, Grand Theft Auto V came out. 
Hey, the fifth Grand Theft Auto game. We both uh, ordered it from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Got that $20 credit. I didn't yet. I'm pretty sure I got it in my email, so hmm. they owe you. Yeah, I should check that out. So uh, speaking of that, I, I downloaded, they had a bunch of stuff on sale recently, and Borderlands DLC was on sale, and for some reason I forgot that the Tiny Tina's Assault on Dungeon Keep was part of the season pass. And so I bought that. It was like five bucks. So now I own it twice. But the important thing to note is that this was the first time that I bought anything on uh, Xbox since they converted from points to currency or yeah. real monies. Yeah. And it was like, hey, this fake money is now real money. I hope that's okay with you. I'm like, yeah. that's, that's actually that's how I knew I have like 75 bucks yeah. in Microsoft dollars. Like, it's okay with me. But yeah, Grand Theft Auto V came out. Um, we were kind of apathetic about it. Uh, guess what? It's really good. Guess what? It's pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say pretty good. So here's the thing. Um, looking back, I I like all the Grand Theft Auto games, but like I don't love them in weird ways. Like I love Vice City. It's mostly because it holds a special place in my heart. But like, you know, I was listening back to those old episodes. Where we were talking about Grand Theft Auto 4 and I wasn't too keen on it at the time. And San Andreas was really cool, but like a long, hard-fought battle. Well, and it, and yeah. so, f- yeah. For me, all Grand Theft Auto games, Grand, Th- Grand Theft Auto, yes, Grand Theft Auto games, um, take a while to sink in. So, like my initial impressions of them are never great. Like the, there are a couple moments, but those those things I'm going to remember that'll make it a really good game by the time I'm done. That makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, there's, uh, it, this is an especially interesting game. I think that like, people have commented on how it 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 seems, and I guess all Grand Theft Auto games seem to exist in a vacuum. Um, that's not to say there aren't there, there are meaningful improvements mm-hmm. to structure and controls of GTA Five over GTA Four, but they also seem to be kind of ignoring everything else that's going on in video games. Yep. Like, nothing has been whole cloth changed. But there's noticeable improvements. The cover system's a little better. Shooting's a little better. Driving's a little tighter. The graphics are way, way better. Um, the missions all seem to be more consistently excellent. And some of the repetitive missions have gone away. Um, though there are still some meaning, menial tasks. So I think deliberately. We can yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, th- little things they've gotten rid of how... Uh, if a mission needs to take place at a specific time of day, you don't get a message that says come back between 3 and 12 a.m. Mm-hmm. It just fast forwards to whatever time that is. Thank God. Really small, really meaningful change that I didn't even like. I, I almost forgot like that happened until the third time I saw the sun go. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's right. I used to have to. Yeah, because they introduced that in San Andreas. Um, and then it was in GTA 4, obviously. Um, the three characters it, is a really neat meaningful change i think that allowed them to get rid of some of those spinning your wheels missions uh everything seems a, a lot more like pushing some sort of kind of story forward yeah uh, so, so yeah if if you don't know anything about the game at all back up there are there are three protagonists um you start off in a heist which is weird like you're in alaska and you're robbing a bank um which people people were like why don't they just drop you in the city first thing? Like, well, to be fair, saying that I, I read that on the internet. Fuck them. Yeah. That's not even look. There are a lot of criticisms you can make about this game, but 
make any sense. It's a it's a meaningful tutorial, right? And even parts about it. And even in Vice City, um, that game opens with a big ass long cutscene in which there is a like drill exchange gone bad, and you don't even get to play it. So getting to play the whole tutorial bit is useful. So it sets up the backstory that this character Michael has been working with these two other guys, um, Trevor and Brian. Is it Brian? No, Michael. No, I, yeah, Michael, Trevor, and the third guy. Oh, the, I don't know. I think it's Brian. Um, so anyway, Michael is presumed dead. Um, and you start off in GTA 5 playing as him. No, you play as Frank. You play as Franklin first, you're right. You play as Franklin for like hours. Like you, That's what I think is kind of cool. You play as those two guys, and then you switch to a completely other character. That's right. Like who has nothing to do with any of that, uh, and that happened ten years before the game starts. Yeah. Um, in fact, I don't want to spoil anything, but the way they introduce Michael, I thought is awesome. I don't remember. Uh, give me, oh. give me a clue. Can you give me a clue? Yeah. So, so Franklin, he's kind of worked. <laughs> yes. Man, yeah. Okay, yeah. This that surprise moment. Yep. Yeah. So, great. That that uh, was really good. You get tied back up with Michael, who is not, in fact, dead. Right. Uh, Trevor then learns Michael's not dead and comes back to mess stuff up. Yeah. And uh, that's, yeah. that's the premise. That's the premise. And all three people you know, want some money that are not afraid to do crimes to get it. And everybody also seems to get themselves into some bad situations where they kind of have to do crimes. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing about this game that someone commented. I can't remember who. This is the first Grand Theft Auto game where the activities that you're participating in are all self-motivated. So as opposed to GTA 3 where you're like, you know, a hired goon or San Andreas where like people are like the, the police are forcing you to do things and your friends are forcing you to do things. Like this is the first game where the character's like, okay, I have this thing that I want to do and they vocalize that and then you do it for them. Yeah, it's... And I think that has to do a lot with the tone. I mean, in GTA 4, you're sort of have a motivation you, you have motivation but it's other people telling you to do things like hey nico go do x not making any kind of plans that's very true right um this game strikes a nice tone balance and i think the three characters help a lot in this vein too between the so my least favorite gta game is san andreas um mm -hmm. and that is because more than anything else, it's a control problem. I th they bit off more than they could chew. And the, the missions, the stuff you need to do is more ambitious than the controls would allow for. Yeah, especially shooting in particular. Shooting in particular. Um, the, the checkpointing is totally brutal. Mm -hmm. um, I, just, I just didn't love it all that much. Um, and it, it also, I, I think, is the weakest. What, what Grand Theft Auto does so well is that, like, sense of of place like the kind of lived in nature of each of the different locations that i don't think other open world games do as good of a job mm -hmm. um not just obvious analogs like say uh saints row the fourth right or the third um but also even games like skyrim where like cities might feel distinctive but the world itself does not um i feel like both uh in at least well, honestly, every game since GTA 3 feels very much like a a place. Okay, like, yeah. like memorizing roads, 
there's a connectedness between like the city and the like northern rural parts um, that you there there's an enjoyment even of just like existing in the place and driving around and feeling good and sure. stuff. My favorite thing actually to do right now is just to get on the freeways and just cruise. Oh yes, absolutely. Especially if you're on a motorcycle, you can weave in between everybody real easy. I don't need a motorcycle to do that. <laughs> sure, you can. Yeah, you can get in the middle. Uh, so I want to say two things. But the first of those, while I'm thinking about it, is so this game also has multiple camera modes, like other ones. There's like close to the back of the car, and then a little further, a little further, and then there's the interior, yep. which for the first time ever, the interior perspective is from the driver's seat. Yes, that's true. As opposed to just in the middle. Of yeah. The- I didn't notice that. Yeah. So like you see like the front left part of your car in the, in the shot or whatever you want to call it from the camera angle. Um, also notable about this one is that this is the first, I don't remember if you, I, I didn't try, I should say that much, but I'm pretty sure that once the game opens, you can go anywhere. That's true. There's no like, um, the bridge is closed. Right, uh, or there's there's no three logical like areas. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I actually think is kind of to its detriment. I never went outside the city in this one, um, mainly because I am less and less interested in the open world right. like freeform stuff. So I'm just like, yeah, mission, 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 mission. But when you said like learning the roads, so one thing that in my research that I identified is that. When a game is structured so you play in a small place at a time, like the islands in GTA 4, like the, the the boroughs of New York or Liberty City, is that you get to learn that one area really well. And so you're never like trying to take in the whole of everything. And that's one problem that I had with Saints Row the Third is that like every place seemed identical to me because you could get anywhere in a minute and a half. It did not matter what the neighborhoods were. Um, I agree with that it didn't it, it didn't feel like anything nor was your yeah but i think that's kind of by design like that game is going for such a crazy tone they're not looking yes to paint recreate something yeah and and that's i, I, I wrote the, a paper about that but the thing about the gta 5 is because you don't start in one specific area like i felt like i didn't get to learn any of the specific road systems all that well um and I feel like the signage is bad too. And so since Los Angeles is such a like tangled network of roads, it's hard for me to get from one place to another reliably. I'm like, I feel like I should go this way, but who knows? Like, wait, do I take the exit or do I keep on the road? Right. Which, which is a neat problem to have, except that actually seems realistic. Yeah. Um, what about, though, I actually, I always found with early GTA games where I would know the starting area backwards and forwards, like that definitely worked. Mm-hmm. Never learned any of the other areas because because once they open stuff up, um, especially in GTA Four, which wasn't like you go from Island One to Island Two to Island Three, it would just get bigger and the missions would start taking advantage of a bigger area. Yeah. Um. Yeah, th- that's true. By the time you get to Alderney in Four, it's. Like that place is so confusing and just get this. But, uh, but I, I like the story a lot. I liked, um, I was talking with somebody at, um, my office about the three different characters, even though they, they control roughly the same way. They have different special powers, which gives them some distinctive feels. But, uh, he had mentioned something about role playing. He's like, what I is like, he, he's big into single player games too. And is like, I like to, um, kind of loosely role play the character, meaning like, 
in GTA 4, I never wanted to go just like start a massive murdering spree because Nico wouldn't do that. Right. Right. I'm like, that totally makes sense. Um, but in this game, like Trevor is like this role-playing unlock code yeah. for freedom to just do whatever you want. Which is, and it's funny too, because you don't think, oh, I want to switch to Trevor and then go cause mayhem. You just, when, you, when you're Trevor, you, you're just like, I just, I feel this need to get in trouble all of a sudden. Like, I, I have at least once, like, I, I was, you know, rocketing down a road and a cross street came and, some, and T-boned into somebody. Mm-hmm. I chased the person down, took him out. <laughs> Fuck you. Trevor, Trevor always parks in the doorway of whatever building he's supposed to enter. <laughs> it's like, my car goes here. Sin, get out. Let's get um, of of all the character of the three characters so far. I feel like Franklin has been the weakest um, mm-hmm. because you spend so much time with him at the beginning, and then you do a lot of Michael, and then you do a lot of Trevor, and then it's back to like Trevor and Michael for a while because of their relationship. And so Franklin has just sort of felt like since I got his new house, I, I feel like I haven't done anything with him. Just be at almost the same place or close so looking at the number of missions i've completed i'm a little over halfway through the game okay it's on pure story missions yeah i have not done the second heist okay um so you okay so you're you're a little little behind then but yeah so i've i've picked up some more franklin missions Mm -hmm. but franklin missions i've gotten are through michael and trevor interesting yeah and uh, so that's that's the other observation is that Though most of the characters have self-motivated things, like Franklin's stuff is still very much like people telling him what to do or like a friend is in trouble asking for help. And like once he he doesn't have very specific goals in that he is cool. You know, he feels like he's got a pretty shitty situation in life. His his aunt is shitty. He's not living with his parents for some reason. So he's like this the world is fucked. So I am cool with robbing to make money to some degree. Right. The opportunities I have have been low rent and I have all these idiot friends who keep getting in my way. So he's basically like hitched his ride to be like, this is a ticket out of here. He's already kind of gotten it with the bigger house. And I'm not really sure where that story goes from there, unless there's consequences um, for that, that will pay off in a meaningful way. But I'm not really sure. Like to me, the story they've introduced is kind of done. Right. Yeah. Unless unless you need to like bring that character full circle because like he's he has escaped his situation. But the question is, how does it tie back into resolving the original problem, which is friends and family? Yes. And, you know, it, it exactly right. How will he interact with the people we met earlier on in the game? I've already seen them a little bit come up, but not in a substantial way. Just like, hey, remember me? I'm still here. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, like I said, I'm at the. Uh, I'm headed to do the second heist, but I don't know how far away that is. I thought Michael goes to flight school, and then the the heist unlocks. I thought that was it, but apparently not. So I don't know what I need to do right now. Um, oh, you need to be Trevor and go get a bunch of stuff. I got the stuff. You got the uh, helicopter and the sub. Yes. You should be done then. Okay. Do, do, Trevor again. Yeah, I've gone back. You should be okay. That's weird. So uh, something something's missing. Um, but the way that the the system works is that the game is based around these heists, which are supposed to be like the peaks of of everything coming together. And 
in order to do a heist, you you pick a plan. And so it's like, okay, there's this this jewelry store we're gonna rob. That's the first one. And then it's like, do you want to go in guns blazing, or do you want to like go in tactically and like try not to kill people and and make a clean getaway? Um, so you choose that from a menu, which is basically like a big cork board on the wall where they're planning it. And then you have to go around and do missions related to the way that you plan on doing accomplishing the heist. So it's like, oh, you know, either like steal weapons or like go scout out the location to find the best way in. Go get a getaway vehicle. Yeah. Go get a getaway vehicle and put it somewhere close. And then in the process, you pick your team. And so you can pick your team from people that um, are just like random. They're like, yeah, we just like we know like a driver. Right. And he's, he's this random person. We know this hacker or you met a hacker, a computer hacker earlier in the game. Maybe you can hire him and like there's like a little like story tie in and maybe they're a better character or whatever for the for the thing. So it's not always just anonymous people in, on your team. So here is something interesting. I have done three heists and I know I've done three heists because it like when you finish the mission, it says like heist complete. Like there's all these things. Mm hmm. First mission is the only mission where there's like other crew involved. Oh, really? And I don't know if, if it's because of the way I chose to tackle stuff. Oh, and the third heist, there's not a choice of what to do. Oh, Michael just. Hmm. So they are both. They were both very fun and involved in the same way where there was a lot of setup missions for it. But yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm only halfway through, but okay. I'm not sure how big. A pattern that's going to be it's interesting because i yeah i just assumed that that's that's the way it was going to be but um well, i assumed because i've heard people make make reference to all that stuff but i don't know don't know it's cool um it's a it's big it's big and yet it's small right like it doesn't, doesn't feel as big as again like san andreas right um the city is large but it's not the number of buildings. It's just that like the roads have turn lanes and everything has more detail. They're like there are sidewalks and pedestrian shopping areas and like all that kind of stuff. So in t like the, the square footage is larger, but they've just kind of scaled everything up to feel realistic in, in size. Um, and then the, the countryside is huge, like huge three quarters of the map. <laughs> Yeah, I I'm, there, there's been some good missions so far taking advantage of that, and I'm excited to see how much they will continue it. Yeah, like where uh, the there's a mission where you shoot down a plane and then switch to someone else, and you have to like follow the plane, but the plane is just like slowly crashing, so you're like having to drive like through fields and stuff and navigate through little buildings, and like it's pretty great. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you chase it for a long time. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to do that. I'm excited. Yeah, but that again, like taking advantage of like that would never work in the like a city map. No. You know? no. So it's really pretty. They did it's, it's really good looking. You know, it is not LA Noir levels of detail, but it's like they took the LA Noir tech and scaled it back a bit in terms of fidelity so that they could do more. Mm -hmm. like the character animation is really good yeah way better than four uh still really written in voice acted i think um man michael's voice like michael's i, I just want to like watch michael's story play out because the shit that happens to him is crazy 
he's he's the guy I think has the most interesting story. Um, and is the most fun to play at. Yeah, I, t- I told you, man. I did that mission where you do yoga, oh. and then you trip balls. It's really good. It was he- it was one of the best things in video games I've played in this entire generation. Uh, kind of speaking of that, so there's there's a couple missions that like you kind of see from different perspectives. Have you met the uh, marijuana advocate guy? Yes. Yeah. Where he he gives you something. Mm-hmm. So you you meet him as all three characters, and wow. the results are quite different. Nice. Oh, because that that makes sense because Michael's dreams all relate. Like both of those trips relate to the same thing. Yeah, Michael's really worried about aliens. <laughs> really worried about aliens. <laughs> I was thinking, like, what if this game, like the end of this game, is just super batshit insane and like a weird sci-fi tale. That would be kind of okay. <laughs> <laughs> like it just like takes like a, a Saints Row turn. Um, but yeah, you should you should meet that guy as Franklin and Trevor. Okay. Uh, I think Franklin is my favorite when dealing with him. <laughs> um, the only thing so far that I don't like in the game is the strangers and freaks side missions. Huh? So these are side missions that appear on the map as question marks. And I don't know why you go to them. Like, why, I don't know why you would know that there's a person standing outside of this <laughs> right. restaurant, right? Like, it, you don't just run across them incidentally. There, there are those incidental things, like there were in Red Dead, where, you know, someone is in trouble, and, like, you can chase down the person, that, like, the purse snatcher. Yeah. Um, but, like, you meet a paparazzi guy, and then you have you help him out for some reason. Like, you're not given a choice in that matter. And it's, like, really, I just wanted to kill that guy and just be done with it. <laughs> Yes. Ooh. Uh, have you finished his series of missions? Uh, no, I've only done two of those. Do all of his missions. Okay. I, I don't think you will be disappointed. <laughs> okay. They're, they're definitely funny. Yeah, they're, they're funny and satisfying. Good. Um, I think one of my favorite things about this game is that when you die... It tells you like it tells you that, like the mission failed or whatever, and then it tells you why it failed. <laughs> mission failed. Michael has died. Yeah. Sometimes like uh, there was there was a couple where you're like doing like the plane or helicopter things. My helicopter clearly exploded into bits, and it was like your landing gear could not come down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so fuck helicopters. Anytime there's a helicopter in mission, I'm like, fuck you, game. These don't control. Like, I remember it being difficult in four, but somehow figuring it out. Yeah. It, a fucking, I don't know. They made them too realistic. That's the problem. It's so like using the left and right bumpers to fly when I'm already holding down right trigger to accelerate doesn't work. My hand is in the way of itself. Mm-hmm. That is totally busted. And then, like, using the joystick, I feel like trying to correct turning left or right either of those ways, my whole helicopter always goes like... Yep. Yeah, the helicopter's wobbling. Jay is flailing his arms. The helicopter wobbles a whole lot. So you have to move the joystick to the left and hit the right bumper to, like, kind of even yourself out. But it doesn't work. It's just... They made... A thing that is too difficult to control so you go to flight school there's like you did in san andreas which i'd forgotten about 
that was really shitty. Um, did you have to do all the flight school missions or? You know, what's funny. I did, uh, however many you need to do before the first helicopter mission. Mm -hmm. And I failed that mission and went, fuck you. Yeah. I'm not anymore. So then I think you just have to do one. I thought, I I thought you had to do all of them. It does not explain that. So I did all the flight school missions. One of the things I thought was bullshit was, um, as I left, or maybe in the middle of flight school, like Michael's stat for flying, like flashed up to a hundred. I'm like, wait, Michael was already good at flying. This doesn't even make sense, like from a story perspective. Right. Yeah, because they're like, hey, Michael, you need to go to flight school because he's obviously going to be the helicopter pilot for the mission. Um, yeah, really, really dumb. I don't know what they were thinking. I had I- the airplane stuff. I thought while the challenges take a little getting used to. No problems. None. I'm getting gold medals all over the place. Yeah. Helicopters can't do it. Cannot. Ah, uh, you have no idea how much trouble I had with that second mission. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Also, fun fact, when you go to flight school as Michael, what you would assume is like, A, this is a tutorial for me, the player. Right. Right. Michael's already proficient in flying, so there's there's this conflict. But also one of the first things you do for Trevor is an airplane mission that is extraordinarily difficult. Yes, I had huge trouble with that mission. Uh, and I think everyone did. It was just funny watching everyone say, like, fuck landing airplanes. Fuck airplanes. See, planes, like, I played a lot of pilot wings. I'm like, this is pretty similar. I yeah. can do this. It's not, and I want to say it's easy and that I've had no trouble. That would not be true. But it's just like, okay, this is something I've got to get used to, be smart about it whatever but that first that first time you're in the plane it's like you you fly back from the place and it takes about a minute or so and you go through the whole dialogue thing and then all of a sudden it's like hey land do you know how to land go land land there right now and you're like uh i don't know down i don't know yeah. oh crap all right um you were unable to land yeah that was funny mission fails um yeah, I, I'm excited about playing this game more now that you give me some stuff to look forward to. Yeah, it's um, more or less like really, really well designed. Like uh, definitely gives you reasons to keep playing. Um, I'm surprised how much, you, you know, it feels like putting on like a comfortable suit or something you haven't worn in a while. Like, oh, yeah, this that's right. That's right. This feels good. It does this game. So yeah, we will uh, check back in. Uh, hopefully, next time we record, we'll—I'm sure we'll have played more. Hopefully, one or both of us might be done. I don't know. I can promise you, I will not. I might not be. But anyway, but I'll play some more. I'll play some more today. Hey, uh, there's uh, the online version too, which I haven't really played much of. How about you, Bobby? I didn't even download it. I'm I'm playing offline now because I don't want to bother downloading 58 megabytes. Uh, let's let's wait to talk about that until next time. Okay. So, uh, along with this, you've been playing a little bit more Persona. Yes. So, after finishing Chrono Cross, which I loved playing that, but as I was playing it on my Vita, all I wanted to do was switch over to Persona 4. I've been playing some more Persona 4. Um, yeah, man. That, that, man, I still love that game. And I'm through another dungeon. Went through another dungeon. The game dungeon, which I think is the fifth or sixth dungeon? I can't remember. Okay. Uh, so you're pretty far. Yeah. You had gotten far, stopped for a long time, and now you're picking it back up. Yes, I am. I'm at the end, or in mid-August of oh. that game. Um, the percentage-wise, roughly, 
how far are we talking here? I have no idea. I, the only way I can... I'm 50 hours in, I think. Okay. Uh, let's like leave some flexible room where I may have had the game paused and I didn't turn it off or something. So let's say 45 hours in, and I bet that it's going to take me 90 hours if if I do a lot of fusing. So let's say roughly halfway. Yeah, it, it is more than halfway in terms of story stuff. Okay, but you think there may be some pause, let's go fuse up, build stronger parties yeah. to make sure. And then they're like there are still like a handful of um like events that I have to go to. Like I haven't I haven't done all of the like oh it's like we gotta go to the festival tonight or we have to go do this thing. So there's gonna be a whole bunch of that too. Nice. Like with the characters. I it is summer break right now, so um I haven't been going to school. Instead I've been social Lincoln growing veggies with Nanako Chan. Hey, I don't know about any of this. Yeah. Golden adds a veggie thing. So you buy seeds and then the evenings you can plant the seeds with Nanako. Oh, nice. And then that like boosts your, it boosts your diligence and then your relationship Nanako. And then those seeds grow veggies that are items for the dungeons. So I assume Dojima has no interest in helping with the garden. Not at all. He did once. It was a really nice moment. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm helping Nanako through her issues. She, um, she knows that Dojima is lonely now because mom died. I was gonna say I don't know whether to hate on Dojima or feel bad for him since he's yeah he's um, he he's he's got some shit, but he doesn't know how to handle being a single dad. It must have been really rough before Junji not- Junji Chun Junji got there. Huh. He's not good at buying food and keeping it in the house either. That fridge is always empty. Always empty. I don't even bother with it anymore. I'd rather just go to bed, read a book. Don't want to increase your courage, man. No. There's some rough looking stuff in that fridge. Right now, right now I need diligence and. Oh, you got to fold envelopes. Yeah, intelligence the most because one of the jobs that I want. Oh, the janitor job, I think, takes diligence. I can't remember exactly, but I haven't done that yet. When uh, so it's every Monday, right? When you're in class and they ask you a question that can boost your knowledge, mm-hmm. do you look up the answer to those? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. They seem they always seem like really difficult. Yep. For a non, at least for a non-Japanese audience. Yeah, I've certainly written for someone who's done like primary school in Japan. Um, yep. So some of the stuff I do feel like I know, but I look it up just. You know, the the game is so long and all that stuff is so important that I don't feel bad looking up the answers. And the great thing is that usually if you start searching for that topic in Google, the persona like answer book is one of the first things that comes up and not the actual topic. It'd be like the Wikipedia page on the Edo period, persona four test questions. <laughs> so yeah, persona okay. four still, still loving that game. Yay. the news music hey it's because we've got a couple news items to talk about we've forgotten about the news music ah so good all right um (laughs) this this song is totally inappropriate for this first first story let's not make that the first story so here's a story that fits remember ikaruga yes i love ikaruga great game treasure developer of ikaruga wants to put it on steam 
Okay, that that seems perfectly reasonable to me. Yeah! The way they have to go about it, though, is really stupid. It's fucking bananas. So I think every game now has to go through the green light. Oh, is that it? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Unless they've got, like, special... Like, if you're not a big $60 game from EA where they have, like, relationships with you. I, I think more, like, kind of like everything. I don't know a whole lot about Steam Greenlight. It seems very confusing. But you should go to Steam Greenlight and vote it up so we can all buy Ikaruga on Steam. Yeah, I still have this assumption that Steam Greenlight is for games that like, they're not really sure about. Like, un untested, you know, it's maybe not going to be a winner. Um, so I was like, why does this game that has been proven to be successful, well... You know, as successful as a game a treasure shooter can be on the Dreamcast. It's like extremely successful. I mean, it's like a complete game, so there's no like testing that needs to happen. Right. Um, you know, big on uh, your downloadable platforms. XBLA. I don't know if it ever came to PSN. I just don't know. No. Yeah, just XBLA. Okay, and of course the GameCube release. Yeah. Got to turn your TV on its side. God, it's so good. This game is amazing. It's my favorite shooter. Did I say it was on Dreamcast? It, it, it was on Dreamcast. In Japan. That's where it started. Okay, yes, that's why. Okay, I was thinking, like, I don't remember a disc. There's no domestic release right. for it. But anyway, if you've never played Ikaruga, you should just pause this, go to Xbox Live, and buy it immediately. Yeah. Or buy the GameCube version. <laughs> hey, um, some of us it, did. It's a hummingbird shooter. Yeah, I, I did. It's a hummingbird shooter. It's great. And I think that it's exciting that it could come to PCs where it could live forever in your Steam library. I would probably buy it again. Yeah, I don't think I would, but I can't argue about more games coming to the PC. Sure, why not, right? Yeah, so that's not really big news. I just mention it because I like Ikaruga a lot. Speaking of Steam, by the way, um, fuck the, the alpha system, the pre-access betas and all that, I've realized. Yeah. I'm so sick of like loading games and just be like, is this game done yet? No, it's not done yet. I'm not gonna play it. Like, you know, I, I bought a game because it seemed interesting. Um, like I bought that uh, Skyward Collapse game, the one where you control the the two warring factions, but you don't want them to wipe each other out. So you're like building okay. two villages. And I loaded it up recently, and they had made some UI changes and stuff. But I was like, I I don't know what version of the game this is. Like, it, are they considering this done? Like, you can look at the news window, but. You know, that doesn't help me so much. And right. Like, is my progress going to continue? Right. That's one thing I really don't understand yeah. is like um, beta access to like MMOs or something with so anything where you would have some sort of persistent progress that gets wiped when the game is released. Yeah. I'm like, I have too many other games to like make actual progress in. It's it's a bummer. So Prison Architect, I told you. Did I tell you that Prison Architect's busted on my computer? No. So... Um, when you play the game, like the map shows up. I forgot I'd bought it, but the map shows up, but all the characters and like things that are, would be tiles in the game are like missing their textures. So they're just like random shape, like they're like randomly filled in with, I don't know, like what chooses it. So it's just like a bunch of blocks moving around on screen. That's funky. And I was like, what is this problem? So I went to the steam forums. Uh, it's because I have to update my graphics card driver which you can't do on a Macintosh unless you get the new version of the OS. So in order to play this game that like will run, I have to have Mountain Lion. The new OS, which you don't want to upgrade because that breaks a bunch of your existing applications. Right. Plus, yeah, not only that, but 
you know, Mavericks is coming out and who knows how long I'll probably end up upgrading to that just because I've held off for, you know, this whole past 10.8. Mm-hmm. But like, man, that's a really shitty thing to do. Like <laughs> the fucking game it on a computer, man. Yeah. That sucks. That's anytime. That's a, the kind of backwards compatibility breaking issue seems to be fairly unique to Macs. Um, as opposed to Windows machines, for all their problems, that doesn't seem to be one of them. Like, if your thing runs yeah. on Windows 7, it's probably going to run on Windows 8. You may have weird issues and stuff, mm-hmm. but in terms of, like, boot, yes, no, that that seems, especially from one version to another, doesn't seem to exist. But it is things like that, that anytime someone's like, man, just get a PC, I'm like, boy. For all the problems that PCs solve, they introduce a lot of c- complexities and cost issues that, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like putting a disc in the thing and making it go. And by putting a disc in, you mean a virtual disc? Mm-hmm. No, I mean a disc. You know, you sent me an email for uh, uh, Monster Hunter was half off on the 3DS store. Yeah. No interest in buying full games on the 3DS store. Give me carts. Which, thinking about it, doesn't make a lick of sense. Because if there is a place where downloadable games especially make sense, it's a handheld console. Right. Because you want to take them with you, all of them. I want to take them with me, right. Like, it's a minor hassle to stick in it, swap discs sitting here in my living room. But, like, storing them is not a huge issue. But, but yeah, but I'm like, one, the internal memory is small anyway, and I don't want to have to buy more to upgrade it. But it comes with several gigs on the 3DS. I don't know how much. Um, But I'm just like, no, I want the the boxes and the stuff. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. I'm totally with you. I have no if downloadable is the only option. Like I pick cross E, absolutely. Yeah, download that all day. Yeah, it's the, the the thing for me that's been really nice about PlayStation Plus is that I get a lot of full games for download only, but I don't care because it's it's free. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna have this until yeah my license runs out, and in the meantime, I'm happy. Like I don't feel like I'm building a library, but I don't feel like I'm cheating myself out of having. You're just, you're just getting the opportunities to play these games. Right. Yeah, man, so many games. It's pretty King, good. Go play Kingdoms of Amalur. I'm not. Just you. Wait. I'm. I might play Eco and uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus is not yet free, is it? No, next month. Next, but month. Eco is right now. Yeah. Eco is a. I don't know. I plan on booting that up. Yeah. Can I just? That's. That's that, the commitment level. That game has a lot of issues. It is a very ambitious and thoughtful game but people who really love eco are crazy um let's see uh the mighty number nine yeah so this this kickstarter is done now uh ended up making almost four million dollars over four million i think three three million eight hundred fifty five so but they started taking donations other places like like through PayPal and direct donations. If you look, if you like read, they actually got more than that. Gotcha. Um, so uh, this is um, Inafune, the dude what made Mega Man. Yep. The good Mega Mans that you Mega Man about. Um, he has not made Mega Mans in a while, and that's why Mega Mans have been kind of bad. Uh, so yeah, so he made this game, which is just unapologetically Mega Man. Yeah, 
a little a little dude with big robot boots and a helmet with a blaster of sorts. Yeah, I think he holds a gun instead of having a gun built in, which is a little different. Yeah. Uh oh no, well maybe not. Maybe I, his hand retracts. I, I think he I think he holds a thing okay. on his hand. Like well, it's looks- inside of it. It looks pretty great. It looks like a hand-drawn Mega Man. They unlocked all kinds of crazy, like, stretch goals. Um, it's coming to every system you've ever heard of. <laughs> uh, ever. It was funded under day. I don't know. I think I think this... I'm cautiously optimistic about this. Did you, did you pledge? No. So, okay. I... I don't fund a lot of Kickstarters. And once a Kickstarter has been funded, I'm definitely not going to fund it. Right. Because that, because that, then that, at that point it becomes it doesn't become supporting it, even though I understand there's these stretch goals that that you know achieve more, but it becomes pre-ordering and fuck pre-ordering. And so please don't take that as a lack of interest in the game, yeah. or a lack of confidence in the game. But I'm just like, well, why would I spend money on something? It, you might be spending for a higher tier that has like cool bonus items. Uh huh. Like, okay, sure, fair enough. That could be reasonable. That would be reasonable if. Uh, but just put it like doing the ten dollars to get the game. So that would be the same. Like, I don't have any interest in special editions of games, which is basically what that what that becomes. Yeah. Which, um, while I say fuck pre-ordering, I don't necessarily say fuck special editions. I think they're kind of a case by case basis. Sure. Your value may vary depending on. Um, it's all if it's important to you. Yeah, and you know they had they had cool like physical stuff, which are like art books, T-shirts. Um, you know, like physical, like retro copies of the game, yeah, big manuals and stuff. That all seems like meaningful, cool, physical stuff. I like that. If you want to go buy that, thumbs up to you. Um, but that's not something that's important to me. So to me, it's like, would I pay twenty bucks for this game? Yeah, but I'd rather just wait till I hear if it's good or not, and then be like, okay, well now I will buy it. Uh, friend of the show Loso sent me a score or a Kickstarter link to Cosmic Star Heroin. Uh huh. I did. Yeah, I didn't fund that for the same reason. Well, it's not. I mean, it hasn't met its goal yet. It hasn't been funded yet. No. All right. It's like twenty thousand dollars down. Oh, okay. Or under. So you know. Even then, even then, like I would probably wait until like the last day. (laughs) Um, but yeah, this is by Z Boyd Games, the people what made the Penny Arcade, the later Penny Arcade. Mm Hmm. Uh, yeah, Breath of Death, Seven, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, yeah, they make games that harken back to 16-bit RPGs. But so at some point, um, you and I had a discussion, and it was like maybe we've been planning for a list or something like that. And the talk was like, "What are the the five things that you want to see?" Like that is like this is an RPG for Bobby. Mm-hmm. So th- this Kickstarter has a okay. bullet list. <laughs> Let's go through it. What are the things that Bobby likes? Save anywhere with minimal grinding. That's good. Ding. Wait, do I have? Oh, hang on. I got a. I got a buzzer sound. I'm sure that. So I've only played the Penny Arcade games, which that's definitely true there as well. This looks a lot, by the way, more ambitious than any of their games, uh, actually. Yeah. Um. Right, here we go. Uh. Save anywhere. Minimal grinding. Sweet. Uh-huh. Oops. That's turned down. Sweet. There we go. Uh. Brisk pacing respects your time. Sweet. No separate battle screens. Sweet. Uh, 2D visual style at the height of gaming's 16-bit era. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Is it going to be available on a handheld platform? 
Yes. Okay, because I was like, that seems increasingly like a requirement for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's Vita PS3 cross by. That sounds great. Multi character combo techniques. Sweet. Oh, so is this Chrono Trigger? It's, it's Chrono Trigger, and it has a spy headquarters, which I'm guessing is kind of like Suicoden. Okay. Know. Wow. So, yeah, they're basically just making Chrono Trigger. I mean, it looks. That sounds great. It's that his... sounds great. Those people have a great style um really strong writing i keep going back uh, wanting to go back and play their earlier games which i've heard are quite not only quite excellent but also not especially lengthy yeah um which i say as a plus not a not a minus um i think if i'm not wrong those started as xbox indie games yes i know they have made it to steam now yeah i think i own them because every once in a while they're on sale for like a dollar yeah i i also own them um, speaking of RPGs, Sega bought Atlas. Se- that sounds bad. L- All right. Sega <laughs> has not made good video games in a long time. Yeah, but that's a little bit of a globalization. They haven't made literally none, but yeah. no, I like, totally agree with you. The, the thing but, is that, that, but Atlas has, and I don't, I mean, I don't know. Atlas was in financial trouble just like management trouble more so than anything else. So, you know, if Sega buys them some secure funding and, you know, a management structure that is actually well run, then it doesn't really matter because Sega's not really going to touch the game. Is it well run though? Well, they, they, they bought Atlas. I, I don't know. Okay. Well, they have money. I mean, they were successful for a long, I don't know. They were successful for a really long time. Right. Right. So that's good. Um, they're still not unsuccessful, I guess. I, I don't know how the Sonic games sell. Um, I mean, they've been pretty critically reviled for some time. They were what? What did their relationship end up being with that Aliens game? Did that ever happen? Is that what the one that Gearbox put out? No, they they did the um, Aliens Infestation. Okay. That's the- I thought they had some involvement with the Colonial Marines game as well. Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe they just oh, maybe they just own the Aliens license more broadly. Okay. But you know, this game is really good. This DS yeah. Aliens Infestation. But but yeah, man. I don't know what else they've they've really been doing. Did they do uh, Bayonetta? Is that a Sega joint? Looking at my shelf. I didn't see Bayonetta on my shelf. Does 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 Virtua Tennis still come out? <laughs> um, I, th- I think they publish weird like stuff that you don't think about. Uh, okay. Being attached to the name Sega anymore, you know, yeah. it's not. Bayonetta they're is not, Sega. They're not Sega developed games. It's mm-hmm. Sega. But that's okay. I mean, that's games. that's still. I would still consider that if Sega was publishing good games, I'd be like, oh, okay, Sega. Word up. Yeah. Let's see. They published Alpha Protocol, which was a huge flop, but I liked it. I think it's fine. You think it's fine? I think I think it's fine. I don't. You so the good thing would be like Sega needs some winners. Atlas is a winner. Um, I don't know. I assume they sell pretty well, but well, maybe I don't know. I don't know if they sell well. I guess. Um, a, b- a bunch of uh, at Xbox least in the United States. I don't know. XBLA stuff. Hell yeah, Breath of the Dead Rabbit. Yeah. Uh, Double Finds the Cave, they published that. So my my positive spin on this would be Atlas consistently 
puts out a steady stream of quality games that are by and large commercially uh, or critically acclaimed and commercially my guess is they do pretty well. Um, so Sega is like this seems like a smart investment. Let's just let them do what they're doing, become their publisher and just start, you know, taking in the profits that they bring. Yep. And if that's the case, I think that's great. Yep. Let's just hope they're smart enough to kind of leave leave a good thing alone. Speaking of Atlas, I know you said fuck this, but fuck I this. I'm really excited. T- teaser site for probably Persona 5 went up with a countdown clock. It's an announcement of an announcement. Yep. Fuck that. That is so lame. It's happened. I mean, it's happened a number of times. Please don't confuse that with a lack of enthusiasm or interest for Persona Five. I think that is very exciting. They're also which, like by the way, which by the way, that's a game they've already announced. Persona Five. Yes. Well, they've said they've worked on it, but they've never had like a clear publishing. They they have. I well, I guess I draw a distinction between that and like a Half Life Three, which is not a game that's ever been announced. Oh yeah. But everybody kind of assumes it's being made. Atlas has said yes there has been work on persona five uh, but you're absolutely right no other details beyond that no date no nothing but now we have a countdown clock you're wearing a juness shirt everybody loves juness every day is great there um but now it's yeah it's just a countdown teaser for an announcement that's probably going to be related to persona we know it's related to the team that made persona because their logo's on them but we don't know we actually don't know that's persona at all yeah Catherine it, too. Here's the thing: the the graphical style of it and the colors they use. So Solosi was talking to me about the colors. So Persona Four or Persona Three is blue, uh-huh. like that's its main color, and Persona uh, Four is yellow. It's yellow, right? And so each of these colors relates to themes of the game. So the okay. blue, like Three, is like a really sad kind of game. Like the world is ending. Um, Oh. and like everything's going to hell and so it's like you coming to coming to age you know during during this period um whereas persona 4 is about like friendships like that's the whole point of it it's like building up these friendships and building mm-hmm. a, a click so you got this like nice bright yellow color it's supposed to make things cheery that'll make things better so who knows what red might mean but there is a color s- scheme going on in those games so this is probably persona 5 details yes i i agree with that even even not knowing the color scheme thing that j- just totally makes sense yeah. although it is kind of a bummer it'll probably be on current gen consoles right as wasn't that kind of the deal that Catherine was more or less like a hey it's been a really long time since we put out a game and we're gonna use this to engine. learn to learn the engine learn the tech mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's a uh, i'm interested to um, see unless what do you think? Do you think there's a chance? Sorry to interrupt, but do you think there's a chance SMT4? Obviously, it's a totally different team, but same franchise. They decided, like, fuck it, 3DS. Any chance this is a portable game? Absolutely. Like lead lead platform. Yes. So the, I think there are two schools of thought here. I think there's either a it's Vita PS3 cross buy. That would be great. I think that would be really ideal. Um, or. The 3DS is the best-selling thing in Japan right now. It is the most, most popular of any video game system. Oh, I would love if it came out there. So if you make a video game for Japan, you probably want to put it on a 3DS. It also sells pretty well in America. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, like, just but that's kind Japan of a, first. That's, that's kind of a win-win, even if that's obviously not the territory you're most interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Shin Megami Tensei games sell here to some degree. So that seems like let's put it on something that already, you know, has a base here too. Yeah. So. It's like a win, 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 win. I know. That's the thing. I want I want it to be on the Sony platforms because that's what I have. <laughs> when are you going to buy it? When are you going to buy a 3DS? Not for a while. Um, oh, so good. I have I have I, so much back catalog. I mean, I, I, you know, I keep getting like warm fuzzies about the Vita. Oh, don't say that. What? Don't say warm fuzzies. Why not? You sound like an asshole. Why? I have, oh, it's like the worst thing in the world. I hate the hate phrases like that. Okay. I, I uh, you can feel warm and fuzzy. Okay. I feel good about the Vita <laughs> when I think about it. Okay. Um, to the point where thinking about making a Christmas list, I'm like, I should put that on it. I'm going to need some games. Uh, no no lie now, like I went to Metacritic, sort of descending, just like, let's just look at a big old list of Vita games. There's not any I want. Persona 4 aside. Yes. I was like, Persona 4, okay, Luminous makes sense, portable game, I like that, puzzle game. And I don't even mean, like, I would I would be interested in at a low price. Uh, man. Yep. None. For me, the great thing about the Vita has been getting a ton of free games through playstation plus sure and this obviously it doesn't count any downloadable yep. or cross-play games or anything like that and, and then the downloadable stuff like i want to play small downloadable games that are not on my phone and the vita has done a good job of giving me those things through playstation mobile and um just like whatever the the vita store is for indie games so i've been very happy with that but you're right like it it is a pretty barren wasteland as far as games that would have come out on a disc or a cart or whatever you want to call it. Right. Which, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how they, how do they, how to fix that? They need to fix that or do they need to change their strategy? Like they need to change. Their, I mean, they need bigger games. Mm-hmm. Like they need, they need stuff like a Mario that's going to sell. Where everyone who owns a Vita says, yes, this is the game I want. And that that's not really happening. Um, as a Vita owner, I've been perfectly happy with my system choice. But I spent a significant amount of time on it playing PlayStation 1 games. And right. like really random shit. I, you know, the only real game before Golden that I had played was that Gravity Rush game, which I really liked. And I would say if you have a Vita, that's a game you should get. But that I got that free through PlayStation Plus. So it's um it's it's definitely an odd landscape i just don't know if they know what to do with the vita in terms I don't know. of the so ecosystem of games i don't know either and that topic certainly seems like well tread territory mm-hmm. but i was i was really shocked like actually looking at it going like man there's really nothing like the only game is a is a remake of another game a really, really good remake. Uh, it's, of course, right? I don't mean to dismiss it, but like, um, I've never played it, so that's compelling to me. But if you had played that game, it'd be like, well, yeah. I'm not gonna buy it again. Yep. You know. I, I, it, it makes total sense for them to do something on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Beat, or, beat or, or you know, it could also be like if if Vita is the lead platform, now all of a sudden there is a compelling reason. Now you can definitively answer like, "There you go. There's the game. Boom." Yeah. Sony, yeah if Sony, cool. if Sony slides Sega some cash, SMT4 works fucking great on the 3DS. Yeah. Looks great. Sounds great. Hmm. Groovy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I guess we should talk about uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi 
this point. A man who, when he started, would have been shocked to see that Sega yes. turned out the way it did. Um, Hiroshi Yamachi, the longtime uh, CEO of Nintendo, uh, died in mid-September. Uh, he was 85. Um, he had not been the head of Nintendo for some time, mm-hmm. uh, since 2002, shortly after the GameCube launched. Uh, but he joined the company in like the middle of the century uh, and was basically responsible for turning that company from like a little card-making company to a big card-making company to a video game company yeah. to a big video game company. Uh, not only like a huge success, like a really interesting, finicky, gruff personality um, as highlighted in Game Over and like every account ever. Um kind of a ruthless businessman, but with a really smart eye for the market mm-hmm. um, and is largely attributed with not only the success, but also the quality control that Nintendo implemented um, as, uh, you know, an antidote to kind of the Atari era. So big dude in terms of video game history. Yeah, we give a lot of credit to, you know, the visionaries that are the developers, the people who create the characters we like or design the games that we love. Mm-hmm. And you know, perhaps not enough credit to the CEOs that make this all possible in the way that we kind of hate because, you know, they run they run the gigantic corporations that do the things that piss us off. But uh, right, and and there's not things you can point to like you can't look at be like that dude. That's hey, there's Miyamoto. He made Mario. Right. He made Zelda or whatever. This guy didn't make anything, but uh, he said for his weird personality, like like you know, fostered this environment. Yep. You know, a good a good idea isn't much without a right. you know. I mean to put it out he, there. So. He let Miyamoto make Mario, so right, ultimately exactly. he's responsible for Mario. Yeah, you know, uh, business people are, are often not unfairly seen as the like bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you think of stuffy movie producers or something, but there, there is a lot to be said by somebody looking at talent and be like, "You are talented, so I'm going to foster you to just do whatever you do and put it out there and make a lot of money for all of us and get that game in people's hands." So. That's that's an important skill, um, and a good good example, I would say. Yeah. All right. So there was another bit of news, and I kind of wanted to fold this into a discussion because we've been having uh, this conversation over IM or email or something like that. Yeah. So the other big piece of news from this past week was that Steam had, or last week, Steam had three major announcements. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So Steam had these big announcements, um, the first of which is that it was developing a Steam OS, which yes, is it, a, it's their own flavor of Linux. Yep. Um, a Linux build that is specifically boots into Steam so that you yeah. can play games in like a big picture mode. That's right. Exactly. So, yeah, it boots, it boots into a Steam front end. It's got kind of the core Linux kernel running behind it mm-hmm. with whatever. I don't know. I don't know if it's their own like separate branch or if it's like the like part of the Ubuntu branch or like the CentOS, like Red Hat branch yeah. or whatever. I don't know a whole lot about the different varieties, but I know like that's a pretty big split. Yeah. The idea being that you can put this on boxes that don't need to run something as robust as Windows. Right. And you don't have to pay for Windows. So mm-hmm. there, there's that aspect of it. They announced the Steam Machine, which is a... That well, S on the end is important. Yeah. It's a licensing program to allow companies, hardware manufacturers to build computer boxes with the Steam OS 
uh, pre-installed on them. Yes, and Valve will be making some themselves, correct? Yes, that's, at, that's, at least for starters. Um, I, okay, that's sort of my understanding. Well, I think of it kind of like uh, uh-huh. Google and the Nexus. Like, so like they have a Nexus phone and a Nexus tablet, but then everyone has Android and can build their own Android things. Right. So, you know, the question is, is Valve going to do the best job with it? My answer is probably not. I bet I bet Valve spends I don't know. a little time building a handful of these boxes just just as proof of concept. I mean, they have a beta program, so they're going to be sending right. out boxes. Um, but I wonder if that's not more to put their OS through the tests. Right. I don't think I don't know if they want to get in the hardware business in that way. Yeah. Manufacturing hardware or assembling hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the controller. There is the controller. So, if you had not seen the pictures, this is a controller that looks like other video game controllers kind of like the more like the xbox controller in terms of its size and heft it really looks like a big owl a big owl yeah <laughs> it does look like, like, it, like it looks exactly like an owl <laughs> <laughs> so for its two big owl eyes these are yeah. uh circular touchpads mm-hmm. instead of analog sticks and then on the interior of those are um, two buttons on each side, up and down from each other. And then there's a touchpad in the center, right? Right. That's right. Yeah. And then on the top, there are triggers, and on the back, there are triggers. Yeah. Yeah, There's there's that's kind of the, the, the main difference in the triggers. There's two on top, and then like a side, like where where your fingers would go mm-hmm. behind the controller. If you were grabbing like a steering wheel, it'd be where your fingers were. Yeah, like a paddle shifter so the big thing is these owl eyes are haptic trackpads yes which means they're really fancy trackpads that are um touch sensitive um like in terms of pressure sensitive and and they will vibrate and they'll vibrate (laughs) that's what haptic means it's really stupid um yeah it's I'm I'm not against this idea of a controller. It's going to be strange for me to think about how this would work in games. You know, they've said, "Oh, well, you know, this is a, this is for certain types of games," um, and you'll maybe you'll want to play other games using your pre-existing controllers. You know, your Xbox or your PlayStation controllers. Um, the 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 biggest question that I had had was when you have your fingers on these trackpads, those interior buttons seem really difficult to hit like and i know you like so when you're when you're playing a game on an xbox controller right now you only have to lift you're basically lifting like one thumb to do a set of things right like you're lifting your thumb to either hit the buttons the the colored buttons or on the playstation controller the shape buttons or the d-pad buttons so you move one thumb at a time in this case because there's those two buttons in the center you'd have to but like constantly lifting one finger or another, like letting up on one analog stick or or one pad or the other to hit those. If, yes. If those are even important buttons anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm super curious to see how it works. I'm curious because if there's um if there's one thing we know about Valve is that they don't necessarily rush anything out, and their track record is pretty crazy. And also rather erratic. Yeah. Uh, so they must have some 
some level of confidence that is quite high on uh, on this machine. Oh, I think there's something we got wrong. The middle segment, I think it's a touch screen, not a touch pad. Oh, I believe okay. it has. I believe it has display capabilities. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I wonder if that also could function as buttons. God, this thing is like a could be so expensive. Super funky, yeah. Because the PlayStation Four is just a touch pad. But I think by and large, like kind of the immediate thing you think of is, oh, they're trying to solve the like input fidelity, like strength you get with a mouse, right? And try to try to recreate that with these. How can we? How can we do pointing? Yeah. So. I'll be curious, and I wonder if that right trackpad could work as buttons. Interesting. Um, in like a C-stick kind of way. I don't know, but I've, that's the thing that I'm most interested to get my hands on. Yeah. So there are theories about what what is what is Valve doing, why are they doing this, and I wanted to put it in perspective, uh, the context of other smaller consoles that are coming out. So... Specifically, the Ouya as the the first, or not the first, the the popular Android console right now. There are a bunch of other Android-based consoles. Android-based consoles to run Android games, which those are fine. But then, you know, Android is still it's an operating system that's developed for use with touch. Yeah, and and it gave me an interesting question: like, why are, are everybody building these platforms on Android and not Linux? Because like they have a lot of things in common, right? They're both they're both open source platforms. They're free because there are game development tools for Android. People make games for Android. People don't I was gonna make say, games for Linux. They do not. I mean, there are game development tools for right. Linux for sure, but and that, no, and we, people do not make games for Linux by and large. And Though that, that has changed in the last year, two years. Yeah, but they're also making cross-platform games. You know, well, people are making Unity games, right? Yeah. Which spit out everything. Yeah. So, you know, with Android, not only it does uh, there like a suite of development tools that are already ready but you know there are games that exist on it that you can find ways to translate to a controller based game so it makes sense to say like here's a popular game in the marketplace let's, yeah. let's see if we can put it on the tv that's, that's true they come in with a built-in library of, yep. of stuff um but you know i think i think there is going to be room for this hundred dollar box console thing i don't think the ouya is the answer to that um well, the problem is like the Ouya might have been, but it's come out and the the reviews are bad. Right. Like the the controller is horrible. The even at a hundred dollars, it's not a particularly performant machine. That that's that's the the thing about a hundred dollar machine that I don't know if people have gotten yet. I think that people understand that it's not going to be a graphical horsepower machine, mm-hmm. but it's got to run smooth. It has to run well. Like you've got to lower down your system specs or like your performance specs until it can run smooth. And here's and the other thing is that yeah yes I know that the display is a huge part of the cost of manufacturing an Android device, mm-hmm. but those things are still expensive to start out with. So like think of Super everything expensive. you have to strip out of a phone to put it on a box and then yeah. imagine like what your performance is like. like retail price of a phone without a plan is ridiculous. Right? I mean, it's not uncommon to see prices of six, seven, eight hundred dollars yes. for, for, you know, high quality Android phones. Um, so, you know, some of that has to do with R and D and getting the form factor. Like there are all sorts of costs, but it's it, like a hundred bucks for a video game thing is really cheap, like extraordinarily yes. cheap. 
Right. Especially considering that current consoles, you know, often will sell at a loss, you know, even at a $400 price point. So I imagine that one of the things that Valve is going to be able to do with this is put out a cheap box that just runs SteamOS where the expectation is, hey, like you're just a casual person. Like, did you have a Wii? Like, do you want to play some more video games? Yeah. Here, like this isn't that expensive. This is $150, $200. Like toss this in your living room. We'll give you a whole suite of tools or, you know, we'll give developers a whole suite of tools, build some casual games for it. Maybe you could play a game that you remember, like, you know, from the 90s or something like that. Get the idea of, of those kinds of downloads into a, a broader a, uh, living room base. Well, and there's also a, a, a totally other market where you can say like, hey, man, do you have a sick gaming rig but you don't have it in your living room Mm -hmm. well here's a 150 200 box where you can stream all that stuff to your 50 inch tv without having to run all kinds of crummy cables or anything anymore that this is the strangest of the uses for me so one of the ideas is that this whatever the steam machine is acts as a relay where your primary computer desktop computer with the major horsepower is sending a signal to this or sending video to this and then you're, you're playing and, it elsewhere. And it's the Steam application on your machine sending to the Steam OS, meaning your Windows games could stream yes, to it, which yeah. is important, knowing that um, if it's running Linux off, off the box, there's a whole, you know, the, 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 the idea of it's your whole Steam library in front of your TV, that's not going to fly because it's your whole Steam library compatible with Linux in front of your TV, mm-hmm. which is quite small. It's it's like Valve games and new indie games, basically. Yeah, I I would love to know the number of people who are interested in that use case, though. Like, who has a big computer that's hooked up to somewhere that they consider to be not as good as their TV? Like, why isn't that hooked up directly to the TV? There there could be a number of reasons. You know, maybe you'd love to play video games on the couch, but your roommates, you know, won't let you. Or or it could it could be as simple as you've got a a, a fairly big house, or just you've got an office where your computer does a lot of things. Yes, it's a gaming rig, but mm. maybe you're also a developer or some kind of graphic designer or just you have a job that needs a computer like every job and it just doesn't feasibly make sense. You know, you're not going to, I'm going to put all my money into this one computer. I'm not going to have two computers like, a, you know, my, my laptop where I'm doing stuff for my, you know, work or whatever mm-hmm. plus this other thing. That does, that does make sense. That actually specifically makes sense in terms of people who already have a PC who are mm-hmm. buying this in addition. Like, I already have a PlayStation 3, but the PSV... Or I have a Vita, but the Vita box seems, you know, good to me. So... Right. That in the, is, in that the, is very it, different than going like, I'm going to buy... I'm going to build a PC and then buy this Steam box, or Steam machine on top of it. It is the Super Game Boy use case, let's call it. Okay. Yes. You're totally right. That's the perfect analogy. Right. Uh... But I don't. I'm kind of intrigued. I I wonder if uh, there there is definitely a I don't want to say an anti Microsoft movement, but a natural kind of attrition away from a Microsoft world. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, from everybody, um, you know, Apple gaining a bigger market share in terms of um, you know PCs. You see, like people switching away from a PC in general and going to a tablet, which is probably not Windows-based. It is going to be Android or iOS-based. Right. Um, you see, uh, you know, 
Microsoft Office slowly losing market share. You see, you know, even their big commercial products, people moving away from, you know, .NET and SQL Server into other environments. Like you kind of see this weird attrition, just like they're not solving problems that we want to solve, at least not at these free prices. Yeah. And, and it's also so, a case where like people just get bored of having used the same thing for a while. Like that's how I am about the iPhone right now. Like I want exactly. an Android phone because I've had this. There you go. I, you know, so I don't see exhausted. a situation. I don't see a situation where it's like Linux takes over everything and people start adopting it. I don't see that, but I do think about it as. Um, so if if you're in the '80s and you're making video games, well, I'm going to put it on the Nintendo because that's where video games happen. Mm-hmm. If I'm making a PC game in 2007, I'm sure as hell going to put it on Windows because that's where PC games happen. Um, if I'm making a mobile game in 2010, I'm just going to put it on Apple or on iOS. Now, you kind of need to hedge your bets a little bit. We were talking about this a little bit more. Like, if you're making a game, especially an indie game now, you just kind of want it everywhere. There's no longer a dominant place where people are playing video games. There's leaders. Yes. You can say, like, the Xbox 360 is in a lot of places, sure. But, you know, it's becoming more and more difficult to be like, all right, this is where I'm going to put my development effort. It seems like you really want to hedge your bets. So it seems increasingly like I can see people saying, like, well, I want it everywhere including Linux as one of my many places. And so I can see part of an attrition coming there where it's no longer more and more feasible for Windows games to be the place where you put your game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when in a time when people are building more frequent or more frequently building smaller games. Like you, yes. you don't need mm-hmm. everything that a good piece of hardware running Windows has to offer. Like that's right. You can get by with well, and one of the things I think Windows used to offer were development tools. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's really the case. Uh, it, Windows still does offer really good development tools, but that's really no longer as big of a strength. Yeah, I don't know uh, anything about like DirectX. Right. But. So that that used to be like the thing, right? Like the um, – and, you know, it would play very well with their languages and stuff like that. Like OpenGL, mm-hmm. pretty good. It's pretty good, right? And um, I don't know. It just seems like, uh, you know, and another thing with being a small developer is, you know, if you come out and say, I'm Call of Duty and I only work on Windows, no problem. People are going to come to you. But if you say, if you're like, I'm, you know, my first video game is fun company, you, people are not going to come to you. Mm-hmm. You, you you need word of mouth and you need word of mouth by getting people to play your game to get people to play your game you need to go where people are which as we just discussed it's kind of everywhere yep so yeah I, I don't see micro consoles toppling the major console market right so one, uh, one of the articles that I read that really pissed me off is someone said like talking about micro consoles and disruption and then the the justification was well even if you know people aren't playing micro consoles now like 10 10 years from now you will turn everything upside down which that, hey maybe except that's not disruption at that point no that argument is invalid because it seems that that takes into account like people make choices that are final yeah right like i'm going to buy this or this and that's not that's not the world that we live in anymore you you make the only place it probably exists is your phone because you're not you're just it just makes no sense to have more than one phone. Right. You might switch phones down the line, but you're not going to co have. I'm going to buy an Android phone and an Apple phone. 
No. But you may very well buy a PlayStation 4 and one of these little consoles and a big PC. And then when they get cheap, an Xbox One. And maybe you still got your PlayStation 2 hooked up to, you know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's just there's a there's a game ecosystem and how many of those systems you have depends on your interest in the hobby. Certainly. And, and we're in a really strange state, too, where the places that you could play games for so long had been really limited. But, you know, in the 80s, like there were so many platforms that games were on. Like, you know, you put something on the Commodore 64 and the Amiga and right. the Atari. It's true. Bit. Like that that stuff was everywhere and like that that has been kind of forgotten about by people who are like oh this the long reign of you know one console market is over um like all this stuff you right can coexist and cohabitate and we live in a world where a lot of people are fortunate enough where we can buy right you know multiple luxury items now the only thing i can see having an impact would be if if the the steam boxes are successful Sony and Microsoft, when they're negotiating with big publishers or even small publishers to gain exclusivity, mm-hmm. they don't give a shit about the PC. Do you see that potentially changing? Um, you know, they they don't. It it seems to me that they do not view the PC as a competitor for multi-platform games, Assassin's Creed, or Call of Duty, Battlefield, or whatever. They see it as a as a, as a separate market that they cannot get. I see. Okay. I don't see it changing, mm-hmm. not because it's not going to be true. Like the PCA could be a dominant thing or Steam OS could be a dominant thing. But I think that the corporate culture would take so long to change in this next generation that for a long time, even if PCs are popular, they're just going to think that they're battling each other because that's, how, that's it's, right. how it's always been. I think I agree. And I, I think that... When, when people are asking, is this going to compete with the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, I don't think that's their goal. I think Valve's goal is to start to slowly change the conversation and start I, – I don't, I don't think they in the next even like three years plan on being a really viable alternative. But, but kind of like, oh, this, this makes sense. This plays some different games to in a five or ten year – thing this now plays all my games like Uh, look at their track record of of kind of anybody valve has done the best job of seeding and growing like Mm -hmm. just getting used to things so even steam itself was reviled when it came out like hey like this is really shitty i just want to go to a game store i'm going to buy the half-life 2 discs and then you're like okay well this you know my my bandwidth is better now. Like my connection is better for, for broadband and I could get some of these games and then it's, they start seeding like more things into it. Like, Oh yeah, we could, yeah, I can uh, understand like adopting playing old games this way. That's really right. cool. This gives me a chance to play some PC, old PC games. Oh wait. So, you know, you're saying there's a way I can buy like pre-access to some of these games. That seems kind of cool. Oh wait, these hats and team fortress too. Like, I don't understand what you're doing. Like with selling these weird little things. Oh, Dota. Like, <laughs> I mean, e- even things more fundamental, like, um, I mean, it's the old Nintendo problem. Hey, mom, I want a Super Nintendo. What? It doesn't play your old Nintendo tapes? You know, that same problem exists with the Xbox. That would theoretically not exist when you upgraded your Steam machine. You know, it's that that's the great thing about Steam, right, with your current PC. Like, oh, I still have my whole library. I have all my games. Mm-hmm. Hey, you upgrade your console. All those games are still there. It's this kind of iterative thing. Yeah. Also, think about down the line. Um you know, you can Steam from your Windows machine locally, right? 
what if like we got some kind of Gaikai technology and we're going to go spin up a bunch of Windows machines and then just stream games to you, thereby solving the problem? I don't know. I don't know if that's even legal. But hey, that would sure as hell solve a lot of compatibility issues down the line. What uh, What's the name of the streaming console that I own that came out and failed? Uh, Oh, uh, on life, on life, yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know, like that or Kai Kai or whatever, yeah, yeah. like that, that same thing. Um, on live, on live didn't work because the value proposition was bad. No, but if if what was running on the back end, you know, didn't matter. Like that's basically really literally the same idea. Like, hey, we're gonna sell you this machine for a hundred, two hundred dollars, whatever, whatever, some low price, and it can't run Battlefield Four, but you could sure as hell pay a subscription fee or some kind of cost and we could beam you battlefield four. Yep. How would that sound? Hmm. Maybe that starts, <laughs> maybe that starts to make a little bit more sense, especially if you're the kind of person who's not buying a huge, big old library of games. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I think there's a lot of opportunity and I think that they're, they're looking at the unlimited possibility of controlling an ecosystem and seeding that, and then seeing where they can iterate from there. And from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense. This only makes sense as a long-term investment and, and planning. It doesn't make sense if they're like, we're new, another console. <laughs> right? I mean, even the last person to do that, Microsoft, it took them years and years and years and years to become viable. Mm-hmm. You know, they limp along with the Xbox and it's not until the 360 that, you know, they gain enough respect and market share for it to make sense. I think it's exciting. I think... I think competition is always good. So weird. We live in a world where the guy who runs one of the biggest video game companies, Zynga, does not like video games anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, we knew that when they were successful. That's true. He likes he likes making money from spreadsheets. Yep. But um. Yeah. I. I, I would. You know. This is the time for Valve to see this conversation because people are starting to make their purchasing decisions. Like a lot of people have pre-ordered new consoles already, but mm-hmm. there are people who are on the fence who might say like, oh, you know, maybe I'll wait and see how this Steam thing pans out before I get a new console. There's- I don't think, I actually don't know if I think that. I think, this, I think this is a curiosity second console thing for at least a year. I don't think it's next Christmas when uh, until people think of it as a viable, maybe even two years, until people think of it as like a a, a thing that they would like have primarily. Mm-hmm. If that makes but, sense. Yeah. Yes. Purchasing wise, correct. But this is the right time for people to start asking themselves, like, what do I really want this, okay, this that, next time around? That's really true. To to in terms of a conversation changer, especially as you look at the launch lineup for both those consoles and be like, oh, hmm. I don't know if I want to play another Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty. Right. And that's kind of all I can. I do want to play the new Assassin's Creed, though. I watched <sighs> I watched the video where they introduce you to all the pirates, like the historical pirates. It's fucking awesome. Look, Assassin's Creed 3 was disappointing in a lot of ways. It was also great in a lot of ways. But what if this game were just called Pirates Black Flag? That would be great because all the, the thing about Assassin's Creed 3 was that everything incidental about it was outstanding. The mm-hmm. environment was great. The controls were great. The side missions were great, and the main story sucked. But and the and not only did the story suck, the missions weren't fun. Well, th- so this seems like, from what I've read and what people have talked about, that they are kind of only using the Assassin's Creed name 
mm-hmm. as like a marketing thing and not so much tying it into the larger stories. But that so. sucks too, because the larger story up until this game was totally great. Boo. I, I loved Oh, I loved all that Desmond and Abstergo stuff. I, could, I thought I it was great. Give two shits about that stuff. Oh, whatever. You didn't play like any of them. Yes, I did. I played one and two. You played part of two. I played one and most of two. And I've I, played. I played the one on the Vita, start to finish. Hey, there's one on the Vita that you have not played. Sucker. I have not. Yeah. Okay. Lib- I've played all five <laughs> Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> Liberation, which is okay. It's totally an Assassin's Creed game. Sure. I played a bit of it. Uh, I'll so probably get it and play it. Thank you for listening to the Chrono episode last time. We got good feedback on those uh, those episodes. I was surprised because I imagined that people would not like it. But when you talk about a subject that people enjoy, mm-hmm. it brings out their, quote, warm fuzzies. Right. See how dumb it sounds yeah. when I say that? I don't know. I, I, that seems fine. I, I, didn't say, I don't know if it seems good. Yeah. But I hear I do hear what you're saying. <laughs> um, uh, we inspired a good friend of the show, Campbell, to play Chrono Trigger. <sighs> That's the best. That's the best possible outcome of our Chrono episode. And then, and I like, I like how he's discovering that Chrono Trigger is in fact very good. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, this like totally unknown. But, but I, I kind of respect what the the roadblocks he said it was happened. Obvi- it, it takes a little while for it to show how special it is. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and. It's it's a little confusing in figuring out where to go. Yeah. You straight up can end up in times you're not supposed to be at. Yeah. yeah. That happened to me during my most recent playthrough and I had beaten the game twice. <laughs> I'm like going up to the top of Dino Mountain. I'm like, why isn't where's the dragon thing? Oh shit. Oh, shit. Not, gotta, not yet. Not, all right, not yet. I gotta run back. Yeah. But it's like an iPhone. Like you make a mistake, but it's easy to get back to home. You just press straight up. Just Absolutely. Boop. Just one big button. Boop. There you go. Boop. Reset. Yep. Also, uh, once you beat Atropos in the future, Robo gets a stat boost. Yes, which Los told me, and I that sounds familiar. I think I knew that at some point, or had exp- I, I probably experienced it since I went through him, well, the game with Robo the other two times I played it. So but, that yes, forgot about that. That is also way later in the game. It's pretty late. It's it's not like at the end end end, but it's in that end. Uh, you're doing all those side quest yep. things, which remember that back third of the game let's say uh look robo's awesome you're not gonna get me to say much bad about robo (laughs) besides the fact that he is slow and he gets less slow for sure after that happens and when he gets excited his like limbs come off did we talk about that yeah that's pretty cool the door spreads apart yeah man chrono chrono trigger still good did we decide on which the list we were doing? I don't think we ever did. I think we just did barrel through the episode. Play the music and then let's see. Good morning, Captain. Well, good morning to you. Some list. Down on your new mud run. <laughs> So, you may not realize this, but we do some preparation for the show on occasion. (sighs) On occasion, let's stress that part. And when we don't do preparation, it shows. 
every time. Things just don't go as as smoothly. So, um, oh, fuck. Did I really? Oh wait, no. Your iMessage is doing the thing again, where it's sending me your responses from a different account than I'm sending oh my to. I haven't sent you an iMessage in like hours. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but like. I sent you a bunch, and then you responded. I thought I deleted the thread before. I, I think it's my fault. When I so I got this new iPhone, and now it's way out of like my none of my messages come up on my computer, but the messages I type on my computer show up on my phone. Hmm. So, so I don't know what the hell's going. On. What's happening is that one of them is sending from your email account, that's your like Apple ID, and one is sending from your phone number. Okay, maybe that's the issue. I I don't know how to fix it. All right. Maybe if I maybe if I fix it on my phone, if I tell it, maybe if I just make my email the dominant one everywhere. Yeah, maybe. Um. Yeah, my friend uh, switched from iOS to Android. She bought a HTC One or whatever the hell it is. Android Chiabata. I love Chiabata bread. And she, we had a problem for a while where her phone number was still associated with her iMessage account. So I would text her because that's the only way to reach a person who's not using iMessage, you know, using a phone number and right. short messaging services. And it would still go to her iMessage. And so we had to like figure out how to stop that from happening so that her phone number actually went to her phone as it should. Gotcha. Oh, uh, you think you fixed it? I think I fixed it. So I went in, I had my, my phone was starting new conversations from my email mm -hmm. and my messages on yeah. Okay. Hold on. I see that on my phone. Okay. Not respond not to on it. my, but not on my computer. Damn it. I sent that from my, this is the same fucking thing is happening. Maybe I got to restart it. Well, here I'm sending you cha cha cha. Let's see if I can tell which one I could just turn it off. Cause I said, start new conversations from my phone number on both places. This should go to your phone. It should go to well. It should go to both places because I have on both places. I say I can be reached for messages at both places. Okay, hold on. Let me restart. Let me reboot message. Let me exit out. Okay, general. So I just sent a text message to or an iMessage to your phone number specifically. Mm -hmm. So I got I got it on my phone. Okay, now respond on your phone from that number, and I will. Okay, that came from your phone number. That's good. Okay. Not all right. So, all right. So that listened. So the, my phone settings have taken. Listen. So I'm, I'm booting up messages again. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. See, it's not like none of those messages. I, I think I fixed it. I sent you. That's showing up on both places. The two messages you sent and the message I sent from my phone not showing up on my Mac. Now let's see. This is your email. Just sent a message. Does that show up on your computer? Yes, it does. Shows them on both. Yeah. Hmm. That is annoying. I yeah, I have old versions of iOS or not iOS of OS X, so I can't even do iMessage on the computer. Maybe oh, I never had to solve this problem. I love using it on the computer, man. It's great. Oh, I'm sure it is. It's it's got to be fantastic. But this yeah, you my, can't right. use iMessage with. 10.7.5 so that's a new thing in 10.8 mm -hmm. so 10.8 is the only version I've ever had yeah because that when I bought it that was 
So new. they they put out a like beta system to get people used to using iMessage instead of iChat on 10.7, and then they took it away and they said, "Hey, if you want to use this, upgrade to 10.8." Mm. You know why? Why is that? Because they're like, dickheads. How much is how much is a 10.8 upgrade if you have? Is it like 30 bucks? It's 20 to 30, okay. but it also some of my software doesn't work. And at this point, like I said, I well, need yeah. to wait until 10.9. So, uh, one password four only runs on 10.8. Um, BusyCal 2.0 only runs on 10.8. What else? A bunch of software that I, I want to use only runs on 10.8, but I'm just going to wait. I'm still running 10.6.5 on this laptop right here. Yeah. Got that core audio API that actually can be usable. There you go. I just don't know why this isn't working. They should say start new conversations from... All right, what if I... Can I delete you all right what if i search for you so the list this is a list of the five lists that we can choose from this week to have done a list from right that sound good yes i think that sounds great is this a joint list yeah it's a joint list okay um i don't i don't know how to start a new message to you i'm sorry i gotta i gotta figure this out i gotta figure this out before we continue driving you crazy Yes. Okay. Two. Yup. Okay. Where does this come from? I'm holding my phone. Oh, that just went to from your email. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. He says that's not, that's not what it should be. It says start new conversations from phone number. Try it again. Maybe it's a problem on my end. I don't know because none, no, none of my conversations show up. Hello, that's also from your email. All right, new email. Strike, strike. Hold on, one more time. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Um, that's I should get these persona sounds into the soundboard and use them for episodes. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I got some good did ones you, on here. Did you get? Did you get those? Where are they from? That's all from your email. All right, I don't, I don't know. All right, let's think, let's all right. Let's do the list. Let's do, I think I'm just fucking goddamn it. Let's do the let's just do the list part. All right, so the list. Yes. All right, the list. Five lists we can choose from. So part of me wanted to do a list that was autumn themed. The weather is getting cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and for me, fall is a particularly special season. Like there's just something about it that I love. It's a, best season top uh, one season and i mean i used to love so i used to love winter and summer because winter and summer meant skiing or the beach but that has been removed from the equation in my life as i've gotten I, older can i be straight up summer kind of sucks don't like summer well when you were a kid well yes obviously obviously, obviously. but here's the problem yes summer does mean big vacation yes i love beach vacations that's great but then when you're not on vacation, mm-hmm. it's just hot. It's, just, it's hot. just your regular life, but hot. Yep. That sucks. It totally sucks. And the problem with spring is that spring, it seems like this great reprieve from winter. Because mm-hmm. like, oh, it's getting nice out now. But the inevitability yeah. is hot. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. All of a sudden, it's 90, and you're like, fuck this. Dude, I don't know what the weather's like by you. It's been 90 the past, like, four days here. Yeah, it was 86 yesterday. <laughs> it is October. Yep. But then again, we had some like really cool days, you know, two weeks ago, which is unusual. So yeah, we had a couple beautiful weeks, and it's supposed to be nice this week too. But um, 
So the first thing on my list, or the first thing on our joint list that I thought of was pumpkin spice video games. So the pumpkin spice latte is a staple of the winter, the, the fall season. Do you is this something at Starbucks that you consume ever? No. So I uh, a weird thing happened when I started drinking black coffee. You can't. I I developed a non taste not only for sweet coffee but any coffee with milk in it. Like I don't do like plain lattes or cappuccinos anymore either. Hmm. So I like here's things I like coffee. Yeah. Americano straight espresso. That's it. Uh, do you ever put sugar in it or is yeah. nope, just black everything. Just black everything. That's interesting. So I don't mind coffee like coffee ice cream thumbs up. Well, yeah. That's a, that's a whole different breed, but That's all, I guess true. Um but but so so the answer is no, I okay. do not like pumpkin spice lattes. So I I like I put a little uh milk in my americanos just to cool it down. Okay. Um, but I, when, when, if it's an espresso drink, like just espresso is delicious. I don't need anything. I like, completely agree. I love it. Either just like a double espresso or an Americano black, like that's really fine. Usually the coffee that I have access to is not good enough to stand on its own. <sighs> that's a fair point. This happens to me at work. We have poor coffee. Yeah. But even at home, like you, you drink Dunkin' Donuts, right? No, we drink a uh, Joe, the Trader Joe's Joe. Is that the one that comes in the big canister? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, five bucks for fourteen ounces. That's a lot. Um, you know, I drink I drink Pete's at home, which is pretty good. But like, I just can never make it perfect that I want it black. So I always mm-hmm. put, you know, a little packet of sugar and to top it with a little milk to cool it down. Gotcha. But the pumpkin spice latte, I I do appreciate still. Like as as a thing that is exists outside of normal coffee drinking. Well, at that point, any of those drinks are more. Are, are, yeah, obviously. Um, but the idea is that there's a specific season that you need to have this thing in. It's weird to have it outside of the season. Mm-hmm. So what are different kinds of pumpkin spice video games? That's a list. Okay. All right. Should we think of examples? Or no, no we're no. not going to do the list, no, though. No. Okay. No. All right. These are just lists. What, what did you been thinking about? Um, so uh, the only idea I had, which was kind of generic and not specifically seasonal, was basically just skin the end of the year. Um, games are coming out. You got to prioritize. So I was, and there's probably games that have been in your backlist. So what are the five games that you are going to say, I'm going to finish these games by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You get three months to do it. You know, specifically like, all right, GTA five, got to get that off my plate. I got Shimigami Tensei four hanging around. I wanted to get that off my plate. Maybe there's something upcoming. What do you, are, is watchdogs a priority is Assassin's Creed four a priority. What, what are these kind of things that maybe you're going to get done? I have decided that unless they get, bad reviews i'm gonna to wait to buy all of those next generation games until i have a next generation platform that's one of the reasons why i'm excited to get a playstation 4 when it comes out because yeah. i yeah absolutely were i not getting that which i think is a very viable choice um yeah no way no way i'm gonna play it on the crummy old consoles yeah yeah i like i like that list that's good it's the only reason i said said that i didn't want to do that list was because i know what from now to the end of the year holds in store for me and I didn't yeah. want to make myself feel bad that I couldn't even finish five games. Like if I can finish two games, I'll be happy. So that's pretty good. Um, another of the list idea was it was your birthday. It was. It was my birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And uh, we, I was thinking like, oh, what are some of like the best video game related birthday presents you've ever gotten? Yes. So it's like, 
this has always been around the time, like a little early, but around the time that consoles have come out here. So like the Nintendo 64 came out in September, you know, like. That's true. I, I always used to get, I mean, even up until college, really frustrated about when my birthday was. Because I'd be like, if my birthday was two weeks later, I could ask for all these things. Mm -hmm. And I can't. Because there would always be like one game that comes out in September. Yeah. Because cause you get like Madden comes out in late August. And then there's like a trickle, like one or two games in September. And then the flood is October, November. So I was always like, oh, damn it. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to remember exactly when you got things. Like I specifically know some Christmas stuff. I'm pretty sure that for my birthdays in the past, I've gotten a bunch of Nintendo stuff. Mm -hmm. So like the Nintendo 64, my GBA Advanced. Okay, and, that might have been a birthday present for and me. And the GameCube, I believe, were all birthdays for me. Gotcha. Um, GameCube is definitely Christmas for me. But I couldn't remember anything else. I couldn't remember specific games, so I said I scrapped it. Right, fuck like it. Yeah, wasn't wasn't the best idea. So, okay, we need two more ideas because these are the only ideas we talked about. I actually didn't talk about the pumpkin spice one, but that's kind of interesting. Um, did you get all the the messages that I sent to you with all my ideas? Nope, I didn't get any of those. Oh really? Oh, I sent you like like seven or eight ideas, and then you just responded with, "How about the video games for the end of the season?" Well, here I'll read them to you, and then you can choose. We can choose from them. Okay. I I don't. Know. That's funny because you yeah you you didn't respond to any of those. I was like, well, they must have all been. Really I see. I, absolutely. Okay. What time do you want a podcast? Absolutely. Eleven. What list? Eleven works. And then I said lists, I lists, any thoughts? And the then, next, the next message after 11 works is me saying, do you want to try the newer Skype? Ha. Huh. Yeah. You missed a ton of stuff. Okay. So here you go. All I said right. lists, lists, any thoughts? So, uh, five things you'll miss about this console generation as we're approaching the end. Okay. Uh, nah, five, so, five features that would be in your ideal man cave. Or video okay. gaming room. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, I said along the lines. Let's add that to the list. Something, something that would be like along the lines of the dinner sandwich games, like somehow comboing or games that comboed things. Um, I just threw it out there in case you could think hey, of a combo. Like potentially disparate elements. Yes, or, mm. but or not necessarily like a second set of dinner sandwich games, but something along the lines of. Games, games that are doing things in unusual ways that we could give a category to, like okay, okay. Uh, then I suggested f the fall seasonal pumpkin spice video games. Got it. Uh, the top six through ten Super Nintendo games. Oh, that's great! That works with just about anything, but Super Nintendo is especially yeah good. Uh, yeah, because right, so like. Uh, so you're not going to say Super Mario World or Chrono Trigger or whatever, and 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 you basically have to kill off any of them that could be in people's top top fives. I don't know. So maybe Super Metroid isn't in your top five. Oh, sorry, say again. Just, okay, maybe maybe Super Metroid isn't in your top five, right. but you could see like that might be in someone's. Yeah. So. That that is my favorite idea so far. You could do that with any any consoles. So those are my suggestions. All right, those are all great. Uh, we have to pick two of them, so. Well, that one. Okay. And then the man cave one. Yeah. Those are good. And then the and then pumpkin spice, and that what were the I don't remember what the other ones were now. 
uh, birthday, birthday, and uh, games to finish before the end of the year. Oh yeah, yeah, that can be one of them. All right, that's your the list. I'm really thinking now about six through ten Super Nintendo games. Let's do that next podcast. Okay, we'll do it next podcast. Like would like would NBA Jam count? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that would be good. It, it basically is like not any Mario or right. Square well, RPGs no. or no. Super Super Metroid. Or yeah, or even like big Nintendo. Maybe like maybe like a Donkey Kong Country would count. I don't know if that would be in my six to ten. But that definitely seems like yeah, like a, a content. What about Mega Man X? People love that game. Yeah, but that's not gonna be in most top fives. Yeah, that's gonna yeah, be top yeah. tens, but not. That's gonna be top ten. You're right, but not top five. Yeah. Right, because so okay, so yeah, you exclude Final Fantasy four and six, and Chrono Trigger, Super Metroid, Secret Mario, of Mana. Mario World, Secret of Mana, absolutely Mario World, um, Mario All Stars. Oh, but that doesn't even count. Yeah, you're right. That's a Nintendo game. Um, Earthbound. Earthbound that, would be yeah, that's that would be top, top five. five, yeah. Yeah. Um top five. So what about other Nintendo games? Super Mario Kart? Is that a top five? The man, the first Mario Kart? Maybe, maybe. Street Street Fighter 2? I don't think that's a top five. Okay. I think I think we really got all the the biggies. Mm-hmm. Like Secret of Evermore would be a good answer because that's probably that, not that's top five. That's six or ten. That's definitely not top five. Um, what or like uh, like Breath of Fire? Um, yeah. What are the what are the Nintendo? Oh, oh Zelda, obviously. Link to the Past. Oh, sure. Would, the, thank that, you. No way. That's a that's a one through five. I should look in my drawer. You said Super Mario uh, RPG. Oh no, I didn't. But yep, yep. that would be up there. Top that's really good. What about Super Mario World 2? I think that's probably like a 6 through 10 game. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Which, fuck Jeff, Jeff Gersman, I have a fondness for that game as well. That's a, that's a great game. He's an idiot. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he's, just, he's just wrong. Like, uh, the, only thing, the only thing I can say is, obviously, it's not as good as Super Mario World. So... So when he says, when you come to me and say, this is the sequel to the greatest game ever made, and it's not, that is disappointing. Well, sec- second greatest game ever made. Well, that's true. <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's like the third or fourth greatest game ever made. Second oh, greatest game ever Tetris. made is Tetris. Tetris, right. Yeah, it's the third or fourth. The sequel to the greatest Super Nintendo game. Yes. It's, that's probably number one, don't you? Right? Super Mario Worlds? Yeah. It's either that or... I would accept that Chrono Trigger or FF6. Those are the. What about Zelda? I would accept Zelda as well. I wouldn't accept Zelda. You're kidding me. Not as number one. I don't know. That game is really cool, but I don't know if that game is special. Like, special, special. Yeah, that could just be a personal thing, though. Like, maybe I just don't have the attachment to it. Like, that, that is the best Zelda game. And I think I think part yeah. of the problem yeah. is is like JRPGs are continuing to be quite good. Zelda games have not been in a little while. Mm-hmm. So I think like that that Zelda brand, I don't have the affection I have when I think of Chrono Trigger or even like Square RPGs. Yeah. But god damn it, man. 
Zelda, the name Zelda used to mean something. The name Zelda used to definitely hang with the name Final Fantasy. Not the Final Fantasy is as strong as it was either, but. Right. Hey, are you going to buy Pokemon XY? Well, you don't have a 3DS right now. So there's that answer. Okay. Not, not that I haven't taken to buying 3DS games when I don't you, own a 3DS. I do own two 3DS games at this point. <laughs> no, I have three 3DS games. What's the third? Sticker Star. Oh, right. I don't know. I don't know Those games don't know. drop in price. So the way I figure it is, if I buy it now, I'm likely going to get the, a better or same price as I could get it in the future. Okay. And I got all the, the sweet Shin Megami Tensei 4 stuff in the package. So. That stuff's great. I'm a little worried because looking at that book, it's like a fully featured, like robust strategy guide that just stops it at some point. Hmm. Like it's, it's not the whole game. Because I was like, how did they fit the whole game in here? Like, I was reading it. I'm like, I'm tearing through real fast. Like, I'm over halfway through that book, and I sure as hell am not halfway through that game. Yeah. Not even not even remotely close. So I think it just – and, like, looking at it, I think it just, like, cold stops at some point. They're like, all right, this book's 120 pages long. Whatever. That's it. <laughs> Sorry. We're done. We just we just made you – and you – yeah. The last one just kind of, like, trails off in a squiggle. Right. And now you've opened the door, too. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Video games, go play them. Let's see, we got lowscorepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do we have? Lowscorepodcast is at uh, the website, lowscorepodcast.blogspot.com. That's right. We're also on Twitter, at lowscorepodcast. Uh, if you like this episode, you should tweet, um, hey, at lowscorepodcast, why do you guys always punt the list?